0: What's the purpose of doing this shit? Why did they right. create glyphosate? Why are we using it? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And what are the nerds saying it's necessary for? Because the academics right now are all having circle jerks over glyphosate <laughs> and just coming on each other's faces <laughs> over it. And I want to know what that's for.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Everyone is Cancelled. I have with me today a very special guest, my girlfriend, Michaela McDonald. And we got to talking, what was it, a couple weeks ago?
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: She said, we had a few drinks at night, she said, do you want to hear my corn rant? And I said, yes, I want to hear your corn rant. I love corn. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to talking, and it really blew my mind away about Monsanto and its effects on our health and beyond Monsanto, not to demonize a corporation or any one entity, basically the changing of our functions as humans and our relationship with nature. And she illustrated this beautiful topic of how soon to be one in three kids will have autism and that depression is going up. Alzheimer's is going up. Rheumatoid arthritis is rampant. All of these horrible immune system deficiencies and functions are sort of being altered, maybe not failing, but being altered and, Basically, I wanted to create this episode, episode 49, to really illustrate what I heard that night and what was so uh, profound to me. So, anyways, I'm going to let Michaela introduce herself.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad that you liked my corn rant. That means a lot. <laughs> um, so, my name is Michaela, and I studied a lot of the agricultural systems that go on in the U.S. Uh, when I was in school in. Iowa and I was studying sustainable agriculture and so we learned a lot about the farm systems and how they've changed over the years and how we went from an agricultural system that had really natural inputs to one that uses chemicals to keep it going and the impact that those chemicals have had not just on our soil but our human bodies is really intense. and. There's this awesome guy that we've been watching a lot of right now, Dr. Zach Bush, who talks about glyphosate, which is the main chemical compound found in Roundup. And the way that we've been using that for a long, long time, let's see, what was he saying? It was like, I think we started using it in the late 80s um, on all of our agriculture in the US. And it's used other places too, but it's basically, it kills weeds or it kills plants. Um, and that compound does some really fucked up stuff in our bodies and to our planet, so.
0: So when you went to school learning about this, what was the focus of what you were being taught? What was, mm-hmm. And what was the end result that mm-hmm. you feel that were, you were being taught that we're trying to move to?
1: A lot of it was around soil health and soil biology. So often we just think about um, what a certain acreage of land would produce. Like, oh, we need this much corn or we need this much wheat or we need this many vegetables, but often we can neglect the soil biology and what's going on underneath. And we think about um, the health of the plants as something that we can fix kind of with medicines, like um, chemical medicines. And the truth is we can actually, by helping the health of the soil, we can help the health of the plants so that they're more disease um, resistant. And so I actually worked in like a thermal compost lab and we'd look at the microbiology under a microscope. And we're doing all these different things to try to create certain microbiological emphasis of more alkaline or more acidic. And so without getting too nerdy, um, basically soil health is life. And the things that we do in conventional agriculture, because we're using chemicals, destroys the biology that's in the soil. And so then we need to add more. So like the nitrogen that plants need to grow exists in the soil when there's a healthy microbiology and when we're doing crop rotations and all of that, that, the reason that we need crop rotations is because the soil biology needs that support and that time. So the main emphasis was that soil health is planet health.
0: Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what glyphosate is, this is a two-part question. A, what is glyphosate? Mm. And B, what are the detrimental effects that it is thought to cause to our health? As Ooh. people.
1: Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to answer that? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, glyphosate. Just so you
0: guys know, Michaela literally knows everything that exists in the entire universe. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you do know about this, and I, I love it. And I think you have a really great way of, of interpreting it so that it can be explained in layman's mm-hmm. terms. So that people right. like me can understand right. it, keep which it is chill. saying a lot. Keep
1: it chill. I'm going to yeah. keep it chill. Okay. So glyphosate. It's basically a chemical that's used to um it's it's basically kills life. So it's ah, oh, there's so many ways I could describe this. It really makes me should I lean forward more?
0: No, you're great. I'm just keeping track.
1: Oh good. Um so glyphosate, there's so many ways to describe it, but basically it it breaks down the communication between uh these like enzyme pathways that are required in plants to create amino acids. And so basically what that means is like plants aren't able to make the things that create nutritiousness, (laughs) it's a word, it's fine, Uh, in their plant material. And so the way that that helps to kill weeds is that it breaks down their ability to literally live. It's like they can't live because they can't build themselves into something. But then we've created all these GMO plants that are resistant to glyphosate because we've literally genetically altered them in a lab uh, so that they're like we're fine that's fine it doesn't impact us Um, or certain plants actually have glyphosate inserted into their genes so they're naturally they're just leaching it out to the plants any plants around them so nothing else can grow around them except them because they're they're resistant to it or they're tolerant of it Mm -hmm. so glyphosate pretty much it's just it's it's like an it's like an antibiotic but for plants but the way it's doing that in plants is by destroying their ability to communicate and to build. Um, what's that word? Amino acids.
0: <laughs> so you're saying the tomato that my great grandfather was eating is not the same tomato that I eat today, nor is it as yeah. nutritious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on the tomato, I think. And this gets into a few a few parts and pieces. So if it's a conventionally grown tomato that means it's been sprayed with glyphosate. That soil has a, a lot of glyphosate and other chemicals in the soil. Mm-hmm. They used um, nitrogen, which came from fossil fuels, uh, as a way to help it grow and to stimulate its growth. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they probably had to use various like crop dustings of more glyphosate throughout its growing period so that... Um, other things you grow it in it. Now, glyphosate is just this is the main thing we're focusing on today, mm-hmm. but there's other types of chemicals they'll uh, spray to get rid of other things. So there's mm-hmm. there's herbicides, which would be like killing plants. Then there's pesticides, which is killing pests or like bugs or things like that. Okay. So, so anyway, so that tomato, if that's the one that you're eating now, mm-hmm. um, has a huge amount of glyphosate in it, just living in it, because glyphosate, this is very important, is water soluble, so that means that it can move through anything that's water based it's in the clouds it's in the clouds it, so yeah so because water is evaporated it can live in the clouds it can rain down on us it can it ends up in our water systems our water tables all of that but not only does that tomato have glyphosate in it and other like toxins in it that are literally inside of the cells of it it's not just on the outside it's not just wash it off and you're fine it's it's literally part of what the plant is made of now mm-hmm. it also doesn't have the same level of nutrition because the glyphosate broke down that plant's ability to create the nutritious components
0: well so before we get into the detrimental health effects of what glyphosate does to the human body and our populations Mm -hmm. autism all that what's the purpose of doing this shit why did they create glyphosate why are we using it yeah yeah And what are the nerds saying it's necessary for? Because the academics right now are all having circle jerks over glyphosate and just coming on each other's faces over it. And I want to know what that's for.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Was there another part to your question about glyphosate that you asked earlier? Uh, what is it
0: what how it affects the two parts were oh yeah what is it and how it affects our health as people right so before we get into that Mm. i'm inserting Mm. a part b between the a and the c i
1: love it i love it i love it okay so why did why did we create glyphosate i mean (laughs) there's i don't know honestly i think there's lots of levels of reason so i'll just present a few of my ideas about it um one is that we just had this huge amount of Petroleum and like a petroleum industry built up after World War II that we weren't using anymore. And so, you know, being an industrious people, we're like, let's make the most of this whole situation we've got and let's repurpose this material for things that we need. We need, let's, what if we inserted uh, petroleum based products? Glyphosate is petroleum based, Uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, all of those things that they use to uh, stimulate. Um, Plants to grow are petroleum-based. So what if we... Glyphosate came on later, just to be clear. It didn't come in right after World War II. It came on later. But um.
0: From what I understand, it came from Petroleum World War II. Mm -hmm. And then it was used as Agent Orange in Mm -hmm. Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, has been linked to cancer. And we used to kill everything so we could reveal uh, the Viet Cong. And basically kill them. It was our perspective. So it was used... Uh, To kill all plant life, Mm -hmm. and it was linked to many cancers given to our very own soldiers. Mm -hmm. And Agent Orange was turned into...
1: It's a precursor of... To
0: glyphosate. Yeah,
1: or Roundup, which is... You can buy it in your local store.
0: (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. And then... Okay, so continue. So, yeah.
1: Okay. So, so yeah, so to think about it in in this bigger picture, so glyphosate came on the scene kind of later on um with like more like post Vietnam war. But the whole chemical and petroleum-based chemicals used in our agricultural system came in after World War II. And that kind of set us up because plants weren't quite as like weak and susceptible to things until we started Stimulating their growth with chemicals, so that weakened the system. It, it it produced a great leap in growth and and an excitement about that in the early 1960s. But then we're starting to see, oh, they're not as like immune to certain diseases. They're a little less. They're less tolerant to pests. They're experiencing more weed growth. And so then it was like, oh, well, we need to bring in something to kill all those things. Mm-hmm. And so Agent Orange, which has the compound glyphosate in it, that was then kind of you know manipulated a little bit more and we created Roundup. And so it's, it's that whole thing of like, we, we kind of create w- how one solution can create more problems. And so it's like, we're, we're trying to control nature. We're trying to control the output that nature can provide us. And yes, and in doing that, we create more problems. And so I, I think-
0: So we're playing God.
1: Yes, that's what I was gonna say. I think that on some level, we're trying to play God And I think it's, it also goes back to um, various forms of greed, you know, of like we could make so much, they can make so much more money um, creating all these different consumable goods from crops that are stimulated by uh, petroleum-based things than they could make off of just like a barrel of oil. A barrel of oil, you can only make so much money off of. But if you make different things from that petroleum, like pharmaceutical drugs, like all these different chemicals we're spraying on our soil to make it produce certain things and kill certain things. Um, and then that, that harvest becomes like corn, which can then be made into so many things that we add to our consumer products, which are hugely marked up. So it's, it's a way to make more money on something you already mm-hmm. have.
0: So it's cheap to make.
1: It's very cheap to make. But the price
0: to pay for all of us collectively is great.
1: It's very great. Especially, so the less you yeah. pay
0: in the front end, the more you pay in the back end.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to say it.
0: Okay, so the academics, uh, the nerds...
1: The circle jerking. The circle jerkers,
0: (laughs) what they love to profess as they're just violently jacking each other off.
1: Have you seen this, Dylan? Are you traumatized?
0: It literally happens at every college across the nation. <laughs> literally every college you walk to is just, just, just semen everywhere from oh, these no. these these GMO lovers. Um, so their argument is that there's so many people on the earth that we have to do this to be able to feed the amount or we will starve. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: That's a bun- That's a crock of shit.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: can you explain why that's a crock of shit?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it would be good for us to de- define our terms a little too. Of GMOs. What are GMOs, right? Because have we talked about that yet?
0: No, thank you. Great point. What is
1: GMO? Okay, GMO, genetically modified organism. So this is where uh, the plant genetics are injected with some other type of genetic material. And the thing that's crazy about GMOs is that it's not just a different kind of plant gene that's being injected into your tomato, let's say. It's the genetic material of a whole other type of organism, like a virus or an animal and so you're it's like you're 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 cross you're 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 crossing like a human with a vegetable and that that can get we don't know the impact of this and like the whole european union they they've banned gmos because they're like we don't know what's gonna happen if we're all eating these and and if this is what's growing in our environment like we don't understand what this could do and so
0: the advent of the soy boy
1: yeah yeah and so um so GMOs, the main, the main, yes, of course, I just rolled with that. Um, the main uh, GMO crops that we produce are corn, soy, uh-huh. canola, and cotton. There's others, but those are the main ones. And the thing that makes me so mad, and I talk with my farmer friends about this all the time, is that this whole idea of we need GMO crops to feed the world, the literal crops that we're growing, the corn we're growing, mm. the soy we're growing, it's not producing high quality food it's not even really producing food most of that corn it's not edible corn it's not like the sweet corn you'd buy at like a like um, a festival or something it's corn that's literally not meant for human consumption it's meant to be made into all these byproducts like ethanol which we add to our fuel which doesn't make fuel more efficient even though they want you to think that and then what's left over after they make the ethanol is like this like Gross mash mush that they feed to mm-hmm. our livestock.
0: I've driven through Texas and they would advertise not laced with ethanol, and the gas was way cheaper because they weren't lacing it with ethanol. Right. And it turns out mm-hmm. the ethanol is a crock of shit too. Mm-hmm. It's not needed.
1: Mm-hmm. It was so cool when I was going to school in Iowa at Maharishi University. We actually got to go to an ethanol plant, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we're the sustainable living um, department, and they were like, "Oh yes, we're so excited to have you tour our facilities and." Ethanol is so great, and you, I'm so excited for you to learn about this alternative, sustainable fuel source. But our teacher told us already, ethanol is not, it does not increase the efficiency of fuel. And the amount of fuel that's required to produce the corn that produces that ethanol is way more than the gas that it's offsetting.
0: So it just makes money.
1: It just makes money. And it just makes people like feel good in that kind of weird, clouded over... Way
0: and mm-hmm. so GMOs are the the argument that the academics
1: mm-hmm.
0: in these circles like to uh, profess is that GMOs are not inherently bad for us as we eat them, and that's not really they're missing the point. GMOs are made. In the plants, from what I understand, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, Michaela, so mm-hmm. that they can resist the Roundup that's sprayed on them, and it's mm-hmm. the Roundup that's sprayed on them, and that's water soluble. That's bad for us. Mm-hmm. So G- GMO is part of the problem. It is not the cause. So they mm-hmm. they use this whole smokescreen that GMOs aren't bad for us, and it convinces people mm-hmm. that the that it's not bad when that's missing the whole point the gmos were created so it could not die when glyphosate aka agent orange aka petroleum is sprayed on our food genetically fucks it up mm-hmm. and we eat this so the gmos are are just keeping the plant just alive enough so they can sell it and make money on us mm-hmm. the gmo is not the problem and that was never the argument that gmos are the problem mm-hmm. the problem we have with it is the glyphosate being sprayed
1: i think that's an incredible point i think I think there's two things going on there. I think one level is yes, you're totally right. That the issue is that GMOs are part of this bigger system that requires that that like encourages us and, and almost requires us to use glyphosate or other compounds like that um, to keep keep the whole system going. Mm-hmm. The other thing is um, that we we literally do not know. We have not been eating GMOs for long enough for us to know what the impacts of of that. Are. And we don't know what the bigger impact is of having GMO. Like wh- this is so crazy to me. Once you release a GMO uh, seed into the wild, <laughs> like you plant it, it's out there in our in our ecosystem. You can't take it back. It's out there, and it can reproduce. I looked up this because a lot of people think that GMOs, and I actually thought this for a while too, that um, the seeds that a GMO plant, let's say you plant a corn plant, and then it mm-hmm. pro- produces corn kernels, which are the seeds. Mm-hmm a lot of people that oh those seeds can't produce more corn but no they can and not only can they produce more corn but they have that genetic modification in them, so it could continue. It might not have quite as much resistance to um, Roundup or the things that it's designed to be resistant to. Uh-huh. It might get weaker as it gets, you know, different generations. But that's it's not still, the point. But the it's point still out it's there. It's, it's changed, and and we don't know what the other impacts are of that.
0: Well, if there's anything we've learned in the last two years of 2020 and 2021, mm-hmm. is that officials tell us long-term studies aren't needed for anything anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when you're in an emergency state, you have free reign to just do whatever the fuck you think is appropriate.
0: You're a conspiracy theorist if you believe that anything long-term, as far as studies go, Mm -hmm. matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why is it believed that we need this to feed the whole world? Isn't there a way to feed the whole world in a sustainable, healthy way?
1: Feeding the whole world is not an issue of supply. It's an issue of distribution. And... It it just makes me so mad to go back to what I was saying about this whole idea of GMOs are helping us feed the world. The products that we're creating from the crops that we grow using GMOs are high fructose corn syrup, soybean oil, canola oil, like all these all these oils, these seed oils that you and I have talked about that lead to high levels of inflammation in our bodies, that lead to diabetes, that lead to you know all, all these terrible things. And, and this feeds and,
0: into the podcast I had with Dr. Mark Gordon. Yeah. That this inflammation leads to raised cytokines above and below the neck. Which and cytokines
1: cre- just means inflammation, ladies and gents. He loves that word. It's so fancy. Yeah. Just means inflammation. Not me, Dr. Mark Gordon. He uses it.
0: <laughs> and he uses it accurately. But basically, it creates mental illness. He doesn't believe in PTSD because mm-hmm. these things create mental illness. Mm-hmm. And then kids who are born into this mm-hmm. in utero, kids who are developed with mothers eating this food... It's no surprise to me, and Dr. Zach Bush talks about this, why so many kids are born with autism. And they believe by the year 2035, uh, Dr. Zach Bush stated that one in three children will have autism if we stay this path, Mm -hmm. which will completely financially collapse us.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So you're saying maybe if the whole world grew its own food, if we had more sustainable farming, if more people had a garden in their yard, if we Mm -hmm. did more Mm -hmm. crop rotation, which means that you keep the health of the soil uh, viable from simply yeah. switching crops. Maybe you grow corn. Maybe you grow soy. Whatever it is, yeah. you do it the way that our ancestors did it 300 years ago. You're saying that could be done to feed the globe.
1: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think that's that's such a big question. It's hard to tackle, it. and I don't know what the latest data is because part of what's happening because of global warming and all those things is that viable land that we used to be able to grow food on is becoming a desert, and that's partly because of glyphosate being in our ecosystem, and it's literally killing the biology, the microbiology of the soil. It's, I mean, potentially we're headed to another dust bowl where all of our soil is dead.
0: And what was the dust bowl for people who don't know?
1: Oh yeah, that was, what, do you know the years of it? It was
0: in between the 1920s and 30s, I believe. Yeah,
1: and it's where,
0: Maybe a little bit before. It's
1: it's because we stopped doing crop rotations and all of that, which mm-hmm. crop rotations, is just to do like a brief lesson on that. It's where you change what you're growing on a certain plot of land because certain plants require certain things from the soil. So they take it out of the soil like nitrogen. Corn requires nitrogen. So it takes nitrogen out of the soil. Then you harvest all of that. You've got an open plot of land. You plant soy because it takes the nitrogen that exists in the air. There's a lot of nitrogen in our atmosphere and it puts that back into the soil through these like little like i forget what they're called but there's these like little things on their root systems that put nitrogen back into the soil.
0: Is it almost like a lung? Uh,
1: potentially. I mean all these organisms kind of mimic each other in their structure. So yeah, hmm. I, you could see it like that. It's like or it's it's almost like it's like when we when we breathe in air and then we get like oxygen out of it and then we put it back in we put it into our whole human system that's so, so cool so it's taking that out of the air putting it back into the soil and then the other thing that they do is um just let let a field go fallow which means you're not planting anything on it you're not trying to harvest anything you're just letting it um grow and letting mm-hmm. plant matter grow on it and then you just what you do rather than harvesting that because it's not things you'd really want to eat or feed to the cattle or anything is you just put it back into the soil so you're putting green matter Back into the soil, as well as giving Mm -hmm. the soil, it needs time to rest because that helps it build up that. Like, there's a whole community of biological entities (laughs) in the soil, and you want that, and you want it to have structure and all these things because it just helps on so many levels. So, why am I talking about this? The dust bowl. So, we stopped doing that. We stopped doing that. We're like, We need to produce more. We just that that trying to play god of like it's fine. We could just do the thing that we've never done before, and everything will be okay. And we basically were starving our soil of the nutrition it needs and the time to rest. They killed the soil, the topsoil, which that's that's where growth and life happens. Mm -hmm. Beneath that, you're dealing with, um, you know, other types of rock matter that that aren't biologically alive. And so, so we so killed it was, the soil it dead and, grow and yeah, and then we dealt with droughts. It was it was kind of a perfect storm, and so then we dealt with all these droughts, and then we had all these winds, and then it's just like all the topsoil was just blowing across.
0: Houses literally became buried in the soil, mm-hmm. and everyone had to move away from there,
1: mm-hmm. and they were starving, and we
0: had to import food from other places because yeah. we couldn't. We could no longer grow our own. Yeah. So to fix this problem, instead of saying, okay, let's do what our ancestors have done for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. they said, hey, we have this chemical, let's alter it even more mm-hmm. and artificially heal the problem mm-hmm. when they didn't have any realization of what the long term detriments would be to that yeah. model. Yeah. And that's where glyphosate comes in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, well, that's where, you know, like nitrogen as a chemical versus as something that you Put back into the soil by capturing it from the atmosphere. We forced with it plants. back in. We force it back in. Which nitrogen on that level, it's basically, it's basically poison to the soil. Mm-hmm. It's it's viable to the plant, and it makes the plant look all like happy and shiny and green. But it's not actually giving. The reason that plants are nutritious is because of what's in the soil. When our soil is dead, our plants are these like zombie plants. They're not actually. It might look pretty and shiny, but it's it's hollow. It's it's not actually providing any. So, like nutrition.
0: Frankenstein, we're forcing life into it. <laughs>
1: yeah, and so, so potentially we're headed towards another dust bowl. But to go back to your question of these nerds talking about how we need GMOs to feed the planet, part of that argument is that uh, GMO crops produce more consistent yield. So that means that um, with the fluctuations in you know weather and all of that these crops are able to just kind of stay steady. And maybe that it's even a higher yield. We're getting more crop per acre from GMO crops than from normal. But the thing that makes me mad about that is that, one, they're comparing GMO crops to conventional crops, which they're still it's still a whole chemical-based system. So it, there's still issues with that. And you're not – it to be a conventional agriculture you're comparing that to it's like it's like you're dealing with like a sick it's like it's like looking at like a sick person who's not getting their medicine versus a sick person who is getting their medicine they're both still sick so it's only when it's more of like an organic or or even like biodynamic or there's so many forms of um, organic or sustainable agriculture where you're actually putting health and well-being back into the system by allowing the soil to be healthy and to be viable and so it's when you compare organic crops even monoculture which is where it's one crop for just miles and miles you know acres and acres um, those crops produce a higher yield more consistently over years even when there's drought and things things like that than a GMO crop so they they really, they skew the data, they manipulate the data to make it look like GMO crops are this like saving grace that it's we smoke need. It's a smokescreen,
0: they're missing the whole point. And,
1: and to bring it back to you, the part that makes me so mad is it's literally not food. It's literally not food, what they're mm. producing with GMOs. Mm. Even if they were producing things that we can eat, that we're not just feeding to our cattle and our chickens and to our consumers in the form of fructose corn syrup, and oils, even if they were producing, let's say it's just like a bunch of I don't know, what something really nutritious, like a bunch of chickpeas and spinach. Mm-hmm. And it was GMO that. That doesn't exist, ladies and gents. Don't worry about it. But let's say it was that. It literally still would not be a viable food source because there's the nutrition that would be available in those things. The amino acids that would be found in those things isn't there anymore, at least not at the same high level. And because those being grown that way and because it would require glyphosate, Means that we're putting more of that into our ecological system, and therefore mm-hmm. into our bodies. Our bodies won't even be able to communicate and and build the way that we need to.
0: So before we get into the effect it has on the body, mm-hmm. what's if you're president of the world?
1: Oh my goodness! What do you think, president the, of the world? Whoa. Well, what's
0: the <laughs> who do we talk to, or what's the right steps to take so that we? Uh, let's say we got rid of glyphosate tomorrow. Right. First of all, real right. quick, how many years would it take to get it out of our system?
1: Ooh, pop quiz. <laughs> Fifty years, fifty years, but that could be expedited. They
0: say the same timeline for microplastics, by the way, people, which is mm. fucking up our hormones. Different yeah. Episode.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So fifty years, which who knows? Maybe they're just throwing out this fifty-year thing because they're like, it's more than that, but we don't want to depress people too much. I don't know for sure, but fifty years that could be expedited if we use certain, uh, like, like mushrooms or fun- fungal, fungal matter. Paul Stamets, looking yeah. at you. Yeah. Hello, hello, Paul. We need you. Um, he knows. He knows we need him. Um, so there are things that, but those are all things that are found. In, so, so when you're looking at healthy soil, it has um, mycelium, which is the precursor to any type of fungal body. You know, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the blossom that comes from mycelium. Once again, I really went deep on soil nerd life in school, and so that's really why I talk about it this way. But the things that are in healthy soil, it's like. Uh, healthy soil is like it's it literally could save the world it literally it's it's what can sequester the carbon that's creating this whole it's adding to you know global warming. it's what can um, help break down the chemicals that are in our environment like glyphosate. And so I just i if I was president of the world, which yes, I will take that title absolutely no it sounds too stressful if I really think about it but it but if I could communicate to somebody who could or to a group that could do something about it, I think, stopping using it. What was Zach Bush saying? It was like four point two billion gallons of glyphosate are put into our environment, produced and sold and used mm-hmm. every year. Something
0: incredible like that.
1: Incredible. It was in the billions, I remember.
0: So we stopped using So glyphosate. we stopped using
1: glyphosate and we start and we also worked with all the farmers to transition their agricultural land to systems that are at least more organic potentially even more like biodynamic or permaculture based or things that where where you're adding to the diversity into the biological like aliveness teaching of the traditional
0: soil. F- farming that yeah. has been proven to work
1: yeah uh, and, there's, and there's people who are doing this and and even like i love the i think it's a documentary polyface farms joel salatin he talks about how he's like a soil farmer he he actually raises animals But the way he rotates the animal's presence on the land helps to build soil in the most robust way. Uh, And so there's lots of, we know we have, we have the information we need. It's just maybe not as widely available as we need it to be. Also, I personally think that we need to, we need to shift the emphasis of where we're getting our food. We get so much of our food grows in California. Hello, Mm -hmm. here we are in California. Um, But I think it would be great if we were growing food more across the United States and all these, you know, millions of acres that are dedicated to corn and soy, which are just producing these fucked up byproducts that we literally do not need. Literally we do not need. And they're and they're destroying the health of our animals and us and our soil. It's really a, it's a bummer. Um, if more of that land was converted to actually producing food, that would be great too.
0: So you're saying it could be beneficial if there's a change in the education system where instead of me being taught as a child that I'm a giant piece of shit because of the way I was born, maybe teaching me how to farm would be better.
1: I think, I don't know. I I think yes and no. I think um, think it would be important for people to understand how food is produced. I don't think we necessarily need more farmers or that being a farmer is really hard. But
0: collectively, if we knew the right way of farming, we would Mm. collectively have this...
1: Yeah, this. I think I think if we were more empowered as consumers, I mean, it's it's shocking how few kids know uh, what certain what vegetables eating. are and and how they're grown. Yeah. And, and that so just like and there's a lot of school systems that will put in like a little garden. So I think understanding how how food comes into being is really really powerful, and I do think everybody should learn about that. And. I think understanding how food is produced on like a mass scale is something that we all need to learn more about as adults and as children. And there's ways that the truth of that is kept pretty secret because it it relies on, it relies on a lot of fucked up systems.
0: Most people, if they saw how their food was being made, would lose their appetite. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I I think it would be educational to learn how our food is made, understand What's the consequences? Because I think we had to go, we were talking about this earlier, Mm. preliminary to the episode, but I think we have to go through stuff like this, the contrast of life to learn what's wrong with it. So I think teaching our children now that we are starting to get this smoking gun, Mm. as Dr. Zach Bush calls it, we are starting to get proof of why this stuff is wrong. Mm -hmm. We have done this for decades and we could see the detrimental effects. I think it, it is imperative that we educate the children, the people who are going to be running this country in a few decades Mm -hmm. of, this is the wrong way to do it and this is why. Mm -hmm. This is the right way to do it and this is why. And we have long-term evidence for both. Mm -hmm. And even whether you farm or not, as a consumer, it is your duty to be educated on the right way to grow food Mm -hmm. so that you can vote for people who support our farmers doing things the right way. Mm -hmm. So that you can buy products as a consumer from farmers who are doing things the right way, because as they say, you vote with your wallet, you vote with your dollar.
1: And Doctor Zach Bush was saying that it's amazing how successful the organic food movement has been, and that it would only require sixteen percent of the food market in the U.S. to be organic to destabilize Monsanto financially. Now Monsanto, which we've talked about here and there, Monsanto—they're the—they're the people who are creating genetically modified organisms, and so they're—they're they're one of the main. Um, beneficiaries of this whole conventional, chemical-based agricultural system.
0: And they allegedly bully farmers who do not use their system. Mm -hmm. Allegedly, they are trying to force farmers to use their system, which basically is forcing us to be in bad health. Yeah. So, speaking of that, can we move on to the detrimental effects this has on our bodies?
1: Yeah, okay, so Dr. Zach Bush talks about how he was looking at um, cancer treatment for a long time and he had noticed certain, no, I don't wanna say it that way. I'm gonna explain it in a different way. Um, Glyphosate, the issues with glyphosate are that it basically breaks down our body's ability to communicate with itself and to um, kind of have like healthy boundaries internally. One of the main things that glyphosate breaks down is these tight junctions which happen between uh, the cells of our small intestine. So there's just a one cell barrier between our small intestine and the rest of our bodies. And that one cell barrier is is held together by these like Velcro-like things called tight junctions. And when you think about this, this is so important because the line between outside, other, food, or whatever it is we're ingesting, and our very delicate human system, it's a very important boundary to have. And that is being broken down. So one of the things glyphosate leads to, glyphosate being in the system leads to, is a breakdown in those junctions and leaky gut. This, But I also was learning recently that it can lead to, that that tight junction is happening, That that enzyme, that compound that's there in our bodies that creates that tight junction between cells is present in our vascular system. And, and even in the blood-brain barrier. And so there's leaks happening. And so that inhibits the body's ability to communicate with itself, to deliver certain things, certain places. And it puts your whole system into um, kind of a, a panic response or an, an immune response of something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong, we need to fix it. But when that's happening chronically, we're in a chronic state of inflammation. And whether, you know, whether you're dealing with um, cancer or just a cut or whatever it is, inflammation is is the body's response to an issue in the body um, and and it's how we heal but when we're in a state of constant stress and constant in, inflammation then that creates more diseases
0: and in the problem becomes worse as generation after generation our very bodies are developed in utero
1: mm.
0: from these chemicals from food based with these chemicals and Perhaps that is why we're seeing the correlation with such high levels of mental illness yeah. and autism and... Uh, Alzheimer's
1: and Parkinson's and...
0: Systemic dysfunction, yeah. immune, uh, immunocompromised A lot of these things really
1: had an uptick in 19... Like starting in 1996 up until now, there's been almost like an exponential curve when you look at the graph of mm-hmm. all these different diseases. And Dr. Zach Bush really talks about how that's really when we started to use glyphosate on like a really, really big level. That's that's when it was um, kind of the dominant chemical in all our right. agricultural system. And so when you think about the, you know, humans are so resilient. The toxic load that we can handle when it comes to, you know, all the poisons in the world, what you, arsenic, all of it. Like we can handle a fair amount and be like, I'm mostly okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. But when it goes past a certain point, when we become so saturated, that's when things start to break down.
0: Hmm. Uh, so... So there, there are these universal laws that I notice in nature. Mm-hmm. And like a beautiful relationship, mm-hmm. uh, there's give and take. You, you support each other. You love each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same goes with the earth. The same goes with really anything that you can relate to. There's universal laws. And what we're doing now is we're trying to control the earth, it seems like. We're abusing it, controlling it. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we live in harmony and have a relationship and we act as stewards... Uh, of the earth it gives back to us yeah but well it's
1: it's yeah it's I, I think it goes back to this I mean potentially there's other philosophies that inspire this but this idea of manifest destiny that the earth is here for us to use it God gave us this earth for us to use it and to see it just as this resource we can take from rather than it being that it's it's this thing that we're responsible for that, that for us and, and I think really to me it's we're seeing ourselves as separate from the earth rather than as part of it mm-hmm. and so when it's when it's part of you you want to take care of it you don't just want to like like you're not just gonna dig away at some part of you because like well I need I need more skin on my elbow because I just tore my elbow let me just take it off my foot you wouldn't do that right, right. but it's, it's effectively that we're doing that on some level and the thing that I feel like I learned the most in sustainability you know my sustainability program was that sustainability is it's a long-term view it's looking at is this something that could continue indefinitely? Is it sustainable? Can it sustain itself? And that so many of the issues that we have that are creating disease, not just in our planet, but in in humans and plants and all of it are based on short-sighted decisions, things that help produce something great now, but ah, we'll see what happens later. And so I think... That goes back to what you were saying of it's not a healthy relationship. It's mm-hmm. it's one-sided and it's greedy. It is. I I feel like it's there's something very human about it of, of wanting to what can we do? What can we how what if we mess with it a little bit more? Like there's like a lot of curiosity in that. And and I think there's probably people who work for these different companies who really believe that it's valuable and who really believe that the things that they're doing are required for humans to survive. And it's sad to me that um, we could get so deep inside of our own echo chambers of, of ideologies that we lose sight of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm.
0: That's beautiful, beautifully said.
1: Well, thanks.
0: So I think it would be wise to to have some sort of, we were talking about this earlier, but a group or a coalition of these great minds because Paul Stamets, he knows mushrooms and he knows how that can affect the world globally mm-hmm. and biologically and as yeah. humans.
1: All these oil spills, he he has like literally designed things that could help not just absorb the oil, but also help to, to completely rebalance any any of those spills that happen in the ocean, on land.
0: So if we had a coalition of Dr. Zach Bush, mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Stamets, someone that knows all of these people or most of them and can Mm -hmm. see the need for them to be together, a a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, Joe Rogan is an example. I don't know if he fits the bill of a leader, but someone who has the contacts, who sees the strength of people. It doesn't mean he's the smartest or the strongest person, but he could see the benefits of these people. And these people are doing great works. They have followers of their own, but we are lacking a great leader. And a great leader, like I said, is not someone who is the smartest, the wisest, the strongest. They are somebody who is humble enough and wise enough to surround themselves with people smarter than them Mm -hmm. and to get them to work together and to get out of their own way. And we are really lacking, and Michaela made a great point that we are being taught perhaps uh, by the universe, by God, whatever way you want to look at it, of what it's like to have the absence of a great leader like George Washington or Marcus Aurelius, the most powerful man in the world, the leader of the Roman Empire, or Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Uh, These great leaders, we don't have that right now. And we really need that to get these people like Dr. Zach Bush... Paul Stamets, Mm -hmm. Dr. Mark Gordon to work together sort of like they did in NASA to go to the moon Mm -hmm. and to really pull together and create an organization that can put out general statements like, hey, Mm -hmm. this is where we're headed and this is where we need to go to fix this. Mm -hmm. And with Joe Rogan, he has such a great following. If you really... bring these followings together, get these people working together, that is where the change is going to happen. Because I can guarantee you, it's not gonna happen from the next person you elect in the office.
1: No, yeah. uh, One thing I was realizing as you said all of that is that the leaders you're talking about, they weren't just compelling people, they were visionaries. And I think that's part of what we need. It's like we need someone who can hold a really clear vision of what's possible and help, help us all rally around that.
0: Someone who has strength to say fuck you to the people who are against our health.
1: And against, the if the vision includes health, health of humans, health of mm-hmm. um, our, all of the systems at place, right, and, and health of our earth, then yeah, say fuck you to anything that's going against that, anything that's not supporting that.
0: Because we're in this culture now where we live and you must accept everything and everyone no matter how anyone acts. No, that puts us in a state of submission Mm -hmm. and that's what's politically correct right now is to submit to your masters. And right now more and more people are stepping up saying, fuck you, Mm -hmm. you're making me sick, I'm diabetic, obese, fucking depressed Mm -hmm. and so is my family and you're telling me to thank you for that Mm -hmm. no Mm
1: -hmm.
0: strength is being ostracized right now and we need strength we need wisdom and the great benefit and blessing of this society is we're being shown the place Mm -hmm. that strength and wisdom and love Mm -hmm. has there's love and strength and strength and love Mm -hmm. and with the absence of a leader the absence of strength the absence of free will the 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 advent of censorship being rampant in all of our forms and mediums of communication now that we've been locked in our houses is showing us we are responsible for our destinies and we need community to survive. We cannot independently live in this whole fucking digital world they're trying to create for us. Mm -hmm. And I think we are on the first step to that path. And like Dr. Zach Bush notices Mm -hmm. and has stated, acknowledging the problem, is the first step to fixing the problem yeah. and I think we are in a state where we are acknowledging the problem
1: yeah yeah I agree that was really well said it really was and and it, I was thinking about too how I know I was really coming in hot with it's not food it's not food and I, I could imagine you know people being like well it helps me to be fed and not feel like I'm starving at night but you know? does it And the thing is like let's take it, a McDonald's meal for example the amount mm-hmm. of corn that's present, and mm-hmm. corn products and soy products that are in that meal yeah. is off the charts, right? Hmm. And and the like because like it's in the oils, it's in it's it's part of the bread. It's part it's all that meat is basically a corn byproduct because they've just been fed corn. And so, um, and then the corn and the sugars and the soda and whatnot. And I'd, I you know I think eat whatever you want, do your thing, but the once again it's the sustainability mindset of the long term impact of that meal. On your health and well-being, is is so, it's so detrimental. It's 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 not actually serving the purpose. You might feel like your stomach's full. You might actually feel a lot of inflammation from it because your body yeah. probably can't really digest it. And so I think that's part of the confusion that we're experiencing as consumers, and even part of the confusion of this whole like we could feed the world is that um, feed them what? What are what what are we actually fueling ourselves with? It's junk. It's junk. And goes so,
0: back to that old adage, you are what you eat. Yeah. There's a great page I follow called Your Dad's America. And it's kind of a funny page, but it goes back to this general consensus that we've had collectively as a society that my grandparents looked different than I did. They felt different than I did. They had more get up and go. They were able to say, fuck you, whenever they wanted, however they wanted, mm-hmm. as, as much as they wanted. Mm-hmm. And we have lost that. And so I love this page because it's this comedic take on it. But basically, this page takes old Photographs that children have of their grandparents and parents in in the 70s and before and you could see the physical difference You could see that they had healthier hormone levels. They had more pronounced jaw lines. They were more muscular They were less fat and really the seed oils, which is a whole nother topic mm. Which is a, a byproduct of all of that we're talking about creates this inflammation it our hormones are fucked up and people were happier in those day and ages so I can see. I love this page because I can see the difference mm. as our species transforms. And a lot of us have seen Wally e the way that it's just fat, blubbery people floating around on these fucking these little machines that carry them around so they don't have to walk. And they drink these liquid foods that's yes. just pure sugar. Yes. And they all are unhappy. And they're living in their own digital worlds and have no idea what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. And that is where we are moving to. And that's why Wally e is so... Profound. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they fucking destroyed the earth and had to live on a spaceship in Wally. Yeah. It, I love writers in science fiction because writers have this gift of insight where they slip into fiction our future reality. Mm-hmm. What is fiction now it could be reality in 30 years. In Terminator, AI, the dangers of artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. food destroying us, George Orwell's 1984. When you piece them together, they create this great map and puzzle of where we are heading. And the beauty of that is that we can fix a problem before it comes to full fruition, mm-hmm. looking at the map of the future to fix the present. So I think now that we're seeing that, we can move towards that and it's and it's beautiful, but we need to see now and look, we're, we're changing drastically. When, when the human species itself is changing in a short span of 50 years, so drastically that you could see it with your very own eyes, there is a problem.
1: There is a problem. Well and and I love what you said about science fiction. I think I think science fiction is it's almost like a thought experiment that to go back to what I was saying about sustainability and it being a long term view, it's a thought experiment that looks at what's the long term impact of it like we see a certain trajectory. People talk about this with trajectories all the time. If you're one degree off and you go really far, you're gonna end up on a whole, a whole other solar system. Whereas if you're you're one degree off and you don't go that far, you barely notice it. And that it's okay to to not be perfectly on track. We can course correct, right? And that's what you were talking about too, of the contrast we're experiencing right now of not having a leader, of, of not having systems in place. And even potentially the contrast we're experiencing right now of feeling more isolated, feeling so sick and starting to be like, what the fuck? This isn't okay. This has been going on long enough. I can see clearly now how so many people are sick. One in two people, you know, have cancer. Like it's just rampant and so there's i think there is something really healthy about us getting uh upset about what we're seeing and wanting to make changes and wanting to course correct so that the trajectory can be different
0: yeah eat that nerds <laughs> yeah when the academics turn against you it's no longer academia it is propaganda mm-hmm. remember that folks yeah. you can educate yourself do yeah. it you have the power and the freedom to educate yourself you choose what you consume whether it's in your mind or your body or your soul, you feed yourself spiritually, you feed yourself physically, you feed yourself mentally good foods, you will start to see these problems that surround you. And uh, it it can fruition to a beautiful thing.
1: I love that. Well said. All right, we have a quick post-edit update on some of these stats. So it's not that it would take 50 years for glyphosate if we stopped spraying it. To completely dissipate from our environment. It would just, it would take 50 years for it to drop below the toxic levels that it's at. I think that's it. Mm -hmm. I
0: really appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you. It was really great. Did it.
0: Love you guys. I hope you've had a great week. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, everyone is canceled, spelled the right way with one L. I hope you guys have a great week. New episodes every Monday. I'm your host, Dylan Randall joined by Michaela McDonald, my beautiful girlfriend, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you so much. I love corn.